Right tonight, I want to continue to share from the truth of God's word. And uh, some of the things I'm about to share with you tonight will be new to a lot of you, most of you, but will, I expect it to not be new to a lot of people. But to all of us, it will be life-transforming. I want to continue to share on what I started about three, four weeks ago, what I call the times of the Gentiles. And um, uh, just like last week, I thought the Holy Ghost was done with me on this, but again, God continued to... Um, unravel some mysteries and begin to give me some new revelations. One of the great giftings that I have by God, and it's not me, it's the God, it's God that gave me that, is that He has designed my spirit to pick revelation of His Word. And I rejoice in that, and I celebrate that. Amen. And I, and I tell you that with all sense of modesty, but of truth also. And I appreciate that, that God will give me the key of His kingdom to unravel mysteries in his word. And I give him thanks for that. And I rejoice in that gifting. And I look forward to celebrating it and walking in it stronger and stronger. And that's why I push myself to teach you the way I teach you. And uh, people have accused me and said, why are you casting your pear before swine? And I asked, I said, what do you mean by swine? They said, well, uh, most times people hardly listen to you. People hardly we actually don't have a lot of crowd, and I, and I recognize that people do not understand how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God is a seed. And uh, until you understand that the grace and the gift of God upon your life must be released at every point in time, regardless of who is listening, regardless of what the crowd is, regardless of how many or how few. Because kingdom of God does not operate like that. Amen. And so... I, I push myself to do this because I recognize that there might be one person, a child, an old man, a young woman, a single person, a married person, or even someone listening to me electronically who is not even in this meeting right now, who God prepared me for. And so I teach with all sense of duty and industry. Guess people ask, okay, why does this man always come and teach us this? Why he always give us this? That's the reason. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Okay, so next time I come to teach you, okay, you have two choices. Either you listen and you take a pen and write and say, Lord, speak to me. Or you say, well, I don't think this is for me. I'll be fine. Praise the name of Jesus. But I do believe that God sent it to someone here tonight. So I'm going to, again, talk to you tonight about the times of the Gentile. But as a tweet to it tonight, what I want to bring, I want to call it the times of Gentile kingdoms. Now, I spoke about the times of Gentiles, and I talked about the window that God has opened where the gospel must be preached to all the non-Jew nations and that they need to receive Jesus, but that we are the ones that will have to make that gospel available to them as we plant churches, as we live holy, as we do the work of the kingdom through our works and our businesses, as we model Christ's life and Christ's likeness through our marriages and our enterprises and working consciously, whether as students or as employees, as entrepreneurs or as uh, people who start up businesses, that we are sent by God. And I, I cannot ever emphasize that. That I'm, we are sent by God. Even as a pastor, I live with that understanding. It drives me. It's a passion that consumes me. I can't live anyhow. I can't do it. I mean, for the better part of yesterday morning, I fell, fell on my knees and I was meditating on the word of the Lord. And when the Lord said, when the Lord, when, 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 when the Lord said um, to Peter, please, this is just on the side, but I, I just feel I need to share with you because that's my, that's my personal time with the Lord. And um, the, Lord, the Lord says, you know, Peter... Bible says, for those that, he, 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 that are called to him, he loved them to the very end. And he showed the full extent of his love by washing their feet. And Peter said to Jesus, no, 
You are too honorable for this. Do not wash my feet. And Jesus said to him, If I do not wash your feet in service, you have no part of me. Then Peter understood that. He said, Oh, Master, do not only wash my feet. He said, Wash my head. Wash my whole body also. And Jesus was trying to teach us something that true leadership and true kingdom leadership is in serving. So for the better part of yesterday, all day, I was asking, Lord, please, how have I fallen short in this? Am I serving the people you have called me to do, to serve? Or am I, being, am I lording over them? And it's very simple. I, I occupy a very powerful position as pastor in the 21st century. A pastor is deified. A pastor is a man that is worshipped. A pastor is a man that everybody respects. He's everybody, what everybody bows before. Especially in Africa. I mean, you are like, you are like, a, you are like a, you are like a king in Africa if you're a pastor. Now, those of you who are listening to me from America, you may not understand it, but in Africa, okay, you are like a king, and you need to be careful how you manage that opportunity, because you need to understand that it's an opportunity that come upon you by the grace of God, and if you are not careful and you begin to think in terms of Africanness. You would think that it is power meant to be used for your advantage. Meanwhile, it is a, 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 a function to be used to serve the body of Christ, to serve the people. And that is a challenge that all leaders, all kingdom leaders need to have. And all church leaders, whether apostles, prophets, teachers, and those of you who are exercising leadership in whatever area. Because um, we, we may talk about pastors, all right, all we want. But really, a lot of you are just some, small Sub-head of department. You are not the head of department. You are just a sub-head of department. Okay? You drive people too crazy. You drive them too hard. You let them know that you are in charge and you are in full control. They told me a particular department in this church. I won't mention the name. They said the person had driven everybody away from the department. I said, what happened? He said, when that person shows up, everybody knows that he or she has arrived. And that is not even pastor talks. That is just a sub-head so you have to kill that Africanness inside you that wants you to be Chi, God, Emia, Oba, Kabiesi, okay, over people. The demand of the kingdom is that we serve the people that we lead. I don't know who that is for, but I'm just talking to you about my personal meditation with the Holy Spirit last for All right, so having said that, let's talk about the power of the kingdom of God. And I, I, I said tonight, I'm, I'm sharing on what I call the times of Gentile kingdoms. And I don't want to say too much. I want us to look into the scripture of the book of Daniel chapter 2. And I want us to read a very fascinating story. Um, I know, like I said, that a lot of you who, are, who have been believers for a while will know this story. But a lot of you who are young people who just gave your life to Jesus in a couple of years back may never have an opportunity to hear this story. Why? Also because sadly... We don't preach this story in church anymore. We only preach money and blessing and car and house and breakthrough and whatever. So, and you can't do this together. You can't preach kingdom, okay, and preach humanism. One has to suffer for the other. And that's why we see the terrible thing we see today. But, but God has given me an opportunity today, and I celebrate him for that, for bringing us back to balance and back into focus of the what is the word of God is. And I intend to do that with a sense of duty tonight. Can I hear yes? All right, you ready to take a journey with me? All right, the book of Daniel chapter 2. Let's look at this. Daniel was an interesting person, and like we know, Daniel was not just... Daniel was, a, was an ordinary person who got, got into this environment about 18, 17, when he was just 17 years, a young person, uh, but who had the fear of God inside him. Okay? And uh, whatever it is he went through for a period of about um, 
I mean, that, the story, Daniel's story started about when he was 17, and Henry when he was about 80 or 90. So, you could be talking about like 80, I mean, like 60 something years of a man's life. And one of it was documented in the book of Daniel, chapter 2. Let's read it together. The book of Daniel 2, please. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, for the, again, is a, a, a Gentile king. Now, I, I'm talking about Gentile kingdoms, so. The name Nebuchadnezzar was a Gentile king. He wasn't the only one. There are a number of them. And you'll, as you'll see. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servant the dream and we will interpret it. Is that, is that not correct? Is that not the way it works? I mean, you got a dream? Tell me the dream. Okay? Amen. I mean, someone came to tell me a dream that she heard about the church a couple of days back. And she had to tell me the dream. And I had to begin to go to her and say, go, what does this mean? And when I, didn't, I couldn't get, I said, come and tell me the dream again. Now that's the way it works. You have a dream, you tell me, and then... In God, I interpret it. But when you tell me that you can't even remember the dream you already had, now, that's crazy. I, how many people agree with me on that? That's hard stuff. But this was, this, this was what this Gentile king was demanding. This Gentile king was demanding, tell me the dream and tell me the interpretation. That's hard, that's hard work. So he said this, continue. He says, the king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses torn into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So, tell me the dream and interpret it for me. He said, verse 7. Once more, they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. <laughs> this is a big this is an argument right here. <laughs> then, verse 8, then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is just one penalty for you. I had to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream and I will know that you can interpret it for me. Which basically means that key kings feel that they have realized that this woman has been scamming me for a long time. It's very easy for me. I tell them my dream and then they give me interpretation. What do I know? They are supposed to be magicians, astrologers. They are supposed to be guys who are closer to God. Whatever they told me is what I believe. But something just sort of come to think of it. I think I've been scammed for all these years. Let's get it right once and for all. Tell me if you are really of God. Tell me the dream I had in my dream. That's a hard job. Listen to this. It got even more interesting. So, where was I please? Where were we together? Number 10. The astrologers answered the king. There is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has even ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter. Or astrologer. These guys are about to lose their job and their head too. And I argue with the king and saying, what kind of a king are you? But listen to this. So, verse 11. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods. And they do not live among men. That's like Bob passing. King, which one is it? We are not gods. Now, we have been farming for you that we know what God says all the time. But maybe you don't understand it. We actually have been lying. We're not as powerful as we claim to have been. The king said, hey, it's not now you know that you're very powerful. Okay, so they continue, the conversation continued. Beautiful story. I think we are in verse what? 
Verse 12. Verse 12. The, the, this made the king so angry and furious that he, he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the, the decree was issued to put the wise men to death. And, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. Apparently, Daniel had grown through the rank and he had become one of the wise men of the land. God had given him position with his friends. God had given him strength and given him elevation. And I want you to understand what God is trying to teach us today. That part of the God is about to teach us of principles of kingdom life and kingdom relevance and importance of influencing the kingdoms for Him. Somebody here with me tonight. All right. So let's, so Daniel has been thrown up by raising a promotion or whatever it is, and he had become uh, one of the key people in the land in in the, in the king's government. Verse 14 says, when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death. The wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. I thought on Sunday about praying yourself that God will grant you the spirit of wisdom. He will save you in a day of trouble like this. The, 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 the decree was already out. Kill all the wise men, Daniel inclusive. But with the spirit of wisdom, God gave Daniel wisdom and tact to be able to convince this man to hold on a little bit while. But he, didn't, he wasn't going to have to wait forever. This man was not going to be... Something had to happen. You see, while the spirit of wisdom was working to, keep, to give them some more time, to be for more time, another spirit has to kick in for that to be sustained. It's called the spirit of revelation. And if you listen to this, so two twin, two twin anointings you need in your life. You need the spirit of revelation. You need the spirit of wisdom. I thought that on Sunday. I got to pray about on Sunday. I want you to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit because it's very important. You are going to live in a world of crisis. You are going to live in a world that is toxic and trouble. You are going to live in a world where there will be a demand on you and will almost crouch you and subdue you. You need these two anointings. You need the wisdom of God and you need revelation. You will see how these two anointings play out in the life of Daniel and how it further shut him up in his relevance in this, in this, in this kingdom. And how also it became a tool Used by God to advance the kingdom of God. Because that's what it's about. Why am I teaching you this? I'm teaching you this because I want you to understand how in a day of trouble and in precarious times to advance the kingdom of God. Because that's our mandate. We have the mandate to do what? Advance the kingdom of God. We are kingdom enforcers. That's our job. Whether we are planting churches, we are pastoring churches, or we are leading businesses, or we are marrying, we are leading homes and families, or we are raising kids, or we are doing whatever it is, or we are going to school. We have been called of God. And the earlier you knew that, the better. That you are not just ordinary. That you have an assignment to enforce the kingdom of God. Okay. So Daniel, Daniel's story continued. Are you still here with me, please? And I think we are in verse 15. So after he had displayed tact and wisdom by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he asked the king's officer, why did the king issue a harsh decree? Ariok then explained the matter to Daniel. At this... Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. And that's the much time he could get. Wisdom, all the time for you. Revelation has to kick in. If not, you will lose your head. And this is a principle that God, and I know we are looking at Daniel right now, but this is a principle that God wants to share with the 21st century church. That you are Daniel in the midst of Babylon. And when we talk about Babylon, we're talking about systems of the world. We're talking about political systems. We're talking about economic systems. We're talking about social systems. So Daniel is a type and shadow of the church of God who finds herself in the midst of a crisis and needs two anointings. Two anointings that she cannot do without. 
Spirit of revelation or the spirit of wisdom. So one has kicked in. Wisdom had kicked in. Now let's see how the other kicked in. And, and I'm not talking about revelation and wisdom. That's not my assignment tonight. But I just made it important for me to, to, to tie that, to let you understand that. What, we, what God is dealing with us on is very, God is very serious about it. That with wisdom and revelation, you will save your life and save your destiny. That's what God is saying to us. And that's why you need to take that with you to your closet and continue to ask the Lord for the spirit of wisdom through the revelation. And somebody said, Amen. And please, I need to say to you, if I, if I don't say, this is not a time to play game with your life. Be serious with God. Do not gamble your faith away. Get serious with God. Don't be lukewarm. Don't be cold. Don't be one leg in, one leg out. Okay? Even though the circumstances around will tell you, you're taking this in too far. Can I tell you something? If there's any time to take your faith too far, it's now. Everything is going to be attacked. Your marriage will be attacked. Your finances will be attacked. Your health will be attacked. Your vision will be attacked. Your ministry will be attacked. And ask me about it. I'm fighting battles in my life every day. <laughs> every day. Fighting battles every day. But guess what? We are more than conquerors through Christ. I say we are more than conquerors through Christ. But we are going to fight battles, people. We are more than conquerors through Christ. So please, don't, don't joke with your faith life. You have something real. You have something powerful. You have access to God, the maker of heaven and earth. Please don't joke with it. Hallelujah. Anybody listen to this? Because that's what helped Daniel here. Daniel can access revelation when he needs to. At every point in time. Daniel can access wisdom when he needs to. At every particular point in time. If he didn't access wisdom, he's going to lose his head. If he doesn't access revelation, he's going to lose his life. So whichever way, Daniel has no choice. And I say to you, you are Daniel. You have no choice. If you slack in wisdom, you will lose your estate. If you lack revelation, you will lose your future. <laughs> so we are Daniel in the midst of Babylon, church. We have to know that we are dealing with some real serious issues here. Listen to this. As we go on. Let's read the story. So Daniel returned, verse 17. So Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter, what he heard from, the, from this guy, to his friends, Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. These are three other Hebrew guys who, with Daniel, have spent time praying together, fellowship together, speaking to God together, even though they were Jews and they were in foreign land, but they understood that even in a strange land, God could still hear them, and so they would pray three times a day. This, this guy understood that you cannot hold sway in the political circle of, of Babylon and not be a man of prayer and fasting. I see people today, they say, prayer and fasting is for churches, prayer and fasting is for pastors. Daniel never pastored a church, Daniel never ran a ministry. Daniel's job was a government official, a permanent secretary. That's his job. But Daniel had enough spiritual sense to know that if he was going to do that job well and not lose his head and lose his future, he has to be a man of prayer, he has to be a man of fasting, he has to pray three times a day. And that's what he did. And anybody listen to me here? For those of you who have a small job, you get a false job and then you don't pray anymore, you don't fast anymore, you don't, you don't seek the word of God anymore, we don't see you in fellowship anymore. There are a number of you who listen to me by internet right now who ought to be here physically, but you rather have this message... Listen to it as you are eating your shawarma in the office. I know you, I'm talking to you, yes. And these are, these are, these are real serious days. And, and the internet is breaking. And you're wondering, put it on. Give us some volume. No, you ought to be here. <laughs> because nothing guarantees that the internet and technology will not fail. 
But one thing can never fail. It's analog. You face to face with God. Come on, you see what I'm saying? But let's get serious about this thing. If we are going to beat this thing, overcome this thing, we have to know that we have to give it everything. Every sacrifice. Every commitment. Every prayer. Every fasting. Every dedication. Because evil days are coming. And when they do come, may you not be found wanting. May you not be bereft of the spirit of wisdom. May you not lack the spirit of revelation. Because when you do lack those two things, you're going to lose your estate, lose your head, lose your life. Anybody listen to this, please, tonight? Do you, do you understand this? When God is dealing with some serious stuff here, so Daniel is our template for living a victorious life in the midst of troubles. He is your template. He is your perfect example of how to succeed when the economy of Nigeria is bashing you everywhere. What do you do? How to be a man of prayer. You have to be a man like Daniel, like Ananiah, like Michelle and Nazariah, the three Hebrew guys. All right, look at verse 18. We need to run now because I don't have much time. I wish I could just talk about Revelation. No. So he heard them to plead. So Daniel spoke to his friends. He, says, he heard them to plead for mercy, the God of heaven, concerning this mystery. Now, you, know, you agree to say this mystery, Zachariah? Is, is it a mystery? This is, even what I mean, this is, this is over mysterious, Zachariah. You had a dream when I was not there. I was sleeping in my house. You were sleeping in your own house. I was sleeping on my own Paco bed. You were sleeping on your own double bunk, um, whatever it is, uh, water bed. You were having a nice dream. I wasn't envying you for your beautiful life. You had the dream. You now brought it to me on my, on my Paco bed. And said, I should interpret it. What have you been smoking lately, king? <laughs> but that's how kings do. They rule. They make demands and you have to shiver and bring it to pass. But this is the key. When all the kings, of the, when all the magicians and all the wise men of the earth and all the powerful guys on the earth and all the people who seem to have answers to the world, I'm talking about economists, I mean, political scientists. These are, these are guys. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar was the premium king, kingdom of the earth. You will see something a little bit because I'm talking about the times of the Gentile kingdoms. Just, I just feel the Holy Ghost just asked me to say this. So Daniel went to God and said, guys, while I don't happen, no, we have to pray. When you have, when you fall into troubled times, what do you do? Who do you go to? You fall into troubled times and you have a couple of times. Who has been your reference point? Have you asked yourself that question lately? Well, Daniel fell into big trouble, mystery, didn't know how to solve it, went to his friends. He said, guys, you know what we do? When we got to a point where we don't know what else to do, we turn it over to God. We turn the heat on the Holy Spirit. So he says, he heard them to plead for mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So, the, so it was certain death. Clear. Clear death. Everybody was going to die tomorrow morning. This wasn't going to come. This was, it wasn't going to come. King had made a decree. The guys are just waiting for nightfall and the day to break to kill everybody. So you don't even have much time. You probably have like less than 12 hours to get the mind of God. But I would say, Daniel, so it's, okay, let's, guys, let's pray, guys. We know God will reveal things to us. During the night, someone said during the night. All right, that means that this happened just before nightfall. During the night, the mystery was revealed. That's a beautiful, powerful expression. The mystery. He said, God is a revealer of mysteries. That's why we pray for the spirit of revelation. There is nothing eating that will not be revealed by the Holy Spirit. If we ask Him, as I was teaching on Sunday, you have to ask Father. You have to develop a pattern of talking to Father to reveal things to you. Because the things in the world are getting blurry and grayish. We don't even know what is what anymore. But Father can reveal mysteries. That's his job. Our job is to ask Father. Father's job is to reveal mysteries. So Daniel says, I know my Father will reveal mysteries. So guys, let's talk to Father. The Bible says during the night, 
the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven, please, verse 20, and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. Can I hear amen? <laughs> now that's what you say when God has heard your prayer. That's what you say. That's the right response, right actions to take when you know that God has just saved your neck from the hangman's noose in the next three hours. <laughs> you see, this is a real issue. I love the scripture. Why? Because the scripture is so perfect and practical. Because there are real people who live in real timelines. And if we, Bible says that these people are, these things are written for an example, that we to whom the end of the day has come may learn how to survive crisis. So Daniel survived crisis by praying, by getting his guys to pray, and by the Holy Spirit revealing things to him in the wee hours of the night, in the vision. And then he continued his praise and worship. He says he changes times and seasons, he sets up kings and deposes them. That means that God enthrones and dethrones. You need to understand that. That's why when people talk about political systems or politicians in the world, and one says, I will never leave, or I'm going to rule you forever. People like us who understand scripture, we laugh. Because we know that it is God who installs kings, and it is God who can depose them at will. God has no problem removing kings. Amen. Hello, people. How many people understand that? So we don't sweat the small stuff. We don't, we don't argue with people on political platforms. We need to know, and we know that our God is the God who, who manages times and seasons. He is also the God who sets up kings. He is also the God who can depose them. And you will see from scripture. I may not be able to finish it today. We will continue this next week if the Lord, if the Holy Ghost allows us. But let's read this through. So da- Daniel is still giving God praise and what he says. God gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. That again you see. David, Daniel understood that the anointing for wisdom that he had and he possessed and that he exhibited was from God. And he acknowledged God in that. Hallelujah. He used it, but he acknowledged God as the source. Use whatever God has given to you, but acknowledge God as the source. Amen. Don't apologize to people for the gifting of God on your life. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Amen. That's why I first of all told you that I celebrate God's gift of my life to, to unravel the word of God to me and to break the seal of the word for me. It's my grace gifting. It's what, I, it's what works in my life. It's the way God had wired my spirit. And I bless him for it. Because if I continue in it, and I don't allow myself to be, to be, to be tainted by sin, then I will finish well. And I will impact my world. And that's my assignment. My, my assignment is to impact my world. Period. I want to change the world. Hallelujah. Because I'm called to do that. I don't know what you are called to do, but I'm saying to you, celebrate it. Okay? Amen. Celebrate it and give God praise for it. So David says, I give, God gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. This is a word that talks about revelation. Talks about discerning. Discerning things that are mysterious. Having revelation where everything is easy. God, David said, that Daniel said, that it's God that gives that. It's God that makes us to see things that are hidden from, every, from, from the most powerful guy. It's also God that gives us wisdom to know what to say and what to do. Alright, verse 22 please. You know, I, I always love scripture. It's so, don't you just love the scriptures? Just beautiful. Hallelujah. That's what you miss when you don't read the scriptures, when you don't message on the word of God. You don't know how to live except you get the voice of God. I keep telling you that. Please, never be too busy not to squeeze that time. Study and meditate on a daily basis on the word of God. You will find it a lifesaver. I've always found it so. So, Daniel continues, says, God reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells in him. I have a long journey to take to go. We have to run. 
I thank and praise you, O God of my forefathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Yay! Hallelujah. This is the cause of the problem. Is that correct? The whole empire is sitting on gunpowder. Simply because this thing is missing. What is the king's dream? And what is the interpretation? And you can laugh all you want now. It wasn't funny for those guys. And hello people. <laughs> so David celebrated what God was saying to him and what God revealed to him. Then Daniel, sorry, no, did I say David? Well, I love David a lot, don't worry. But this, but now this is Daniel, not David. So Daniel celebrated God. Then Daniel went to Ariok, that same guy he asked the first time. You remember that guy? Whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon. And he said to him, do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Praise the Lord. Now, how do you think that guy felt? What do you think that guy must have thought about? Okay, slave boy, because Daniel was what? It was, an, it was a captive. But it's a gifting that Daniel had that continued to, that continued to bring him before kings. The same thing that happened in Joseph. Praise the Lord. All right. Ariok took Daniel to the king at once. I mean, who wouldn't? And I don't trust this guy. He was saying to the king, I'm telling you, I told you we'll get this thing done. Then I tell you, king, that we'll never fail. He's trying to do what now? I don't know what you guys call it now. Huh? He's trying to use Daniel now. That's Basta. Is that correct? Let me use my local language. For those of you who don't understand what I just said, you will understand it. The only goes to refer to you. And that's what people do. So, so Ariok took the king, took Daniel to King Aaron and said, I have found a man among the elders from Judah who can tell the king what is dream. I have found. Was he in the found? Huh? Eh? sorry. Suddenly he has become the founder of the Revelator. Ariok, founder of the Revelator. <laughs> and that's what God will do for you. When heaven opens above you at night. And God downloads his anointing upon your life and revelation of things that men don't understand about economics, about politics, about social things. God downloads upon your spirit. Everybody will become your friend. And your profile rise. What you are trying to do by Facebook and Instagram. That you have not succeeded. You don't even have any followers. Instead of followers, what are they doing? They are unfollowing the anointing of God. Position. And these are practical things, guys, we need to understand. that We are dealing with the Holy Spirit. We are dealing with the kingdom of God. We are dealing with the power of God. With the raw anointing of the Holy Spirit. God who is the revealer of secrets. God, the secret things belong to our God, people. And we serve Him. And we have access to Him. Do I have yes to that? Do we have access to Him? Or let me ask you. Do you have access to Him? Are you sure you have access to Him? Alright, then show us, show us revelation and wisdom. Show us. Hello, people. What did I say? If you have access to him, what do I say? Show the world. You need to show the world the glory. Jesus said, when men see your good works, they will glorify my fathers in heaven. When they see the manifestation of my anointing in your life, as I unlock it, as you manifest my anointing, the world will have no trouble to respect you. Who cares about whether you are black or white, whether you are tall or short, whether you are whatever it is. The world answers to only one thing, the manifested church. High time the church of God began to manifest. High time. High time you began to manifest. So you can silence your adversaries and silence the naysayers. They will attack, but they will eat their words at the end of the day. Why? Because your anointing will be too big for them. Your anointing will be too heavy for them. Come on, listen to what I'm saying tonight. What did I say? Your anointing will be too heavy for them. It will be too intense for them. The fire of God that burns around you will be too intense for them to touch. Touch not my anointing. Do my prophet know. By the anointing of the Holy Ghost, you'll walk through the valley of the shadow of dead people. 
You have to fear no evil. They will attack, but they will fail. You understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? What we are not prepared for is that they attack. We think they will never attack. No, they will attack. They will fail. You don't be surprised that Satan attacks you. Hallelujah. But you have an answer for him already. Because you will have the final say, you will have the last laugh, and you will overcome it. Can I hear amen? You are too quiet for me. Can I hear amen? If you are sure of victory, can I hear amen? Amen. You have to put some life to your word. You have to put some life to your amen. You have to put some life to the revelation of God's word. You have to say, yes, Lord, I'm Daniel. Let him bring it on. The last three, in the last two weeks, we've had some, some terrible attacks against our entrepreneurial project. But let them bring it on. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? Let them bring it on. We have more than conquerors through Christ. What did I say? What, what did I say? You are more than conqueror through Christ. Alright, let's read this. So I took that to the king of once and said, I have found a man among the elders from Judah who can tell the king what his dreams means. Verse 26. The king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician, diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. That's why I say, don't get it twisted, king. We're not that smart. But, someone say but. But there is a God in heaven which reveals mysteries. He has shown, now if you can, he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Listen to this. I'm going to where I'm going right now. What God was showing this Gentile king in his Gentile kingdom of Babylon was what was going to happen in the 21st century. Listen to this, people. This is a Revelation book. And there's nothing happening in the world today that God has not revealed to his prophets. Listen to this. I want you to understand that. It can have different colorations. <clears throat> people can give it different branding. <laughs> but it's the same thing. Babylon, in crisis, wise men of the kingdom providing solutions. Same thing. Generation in, generation out. So, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you lay on your bed are this. You're going to say it to him. Listen to this. As you are lying there, O king, your mind turned to things to come and the revealer of mysteries showed you what's going to happen. So that, so that means that God invaded the bedroom of this Gentile, unbelieving king and God was revealing things to him. Now, get, let, me, let me understand this thing. If anybody told you that God speaks only to people about what he's about to do, that's not true. God rules in heaven. God can move people. God is sovereign over all his work. And he rules in the attest of men. God can use believers. God can use unbelievers. Amen. Uh, one of the things I try, I try to, tell to, to tell to people, Christians these days, they're trying to get a Christian president for Nigeria. No. Praise the name of Jesus. God, yes, can use a Christian president to change his country. God can use someone who has never heard about Jesus, never known his name. But watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Don't get too fast. Listen to this. So God was invading this man's life and God was telling this unbelieving, terrible, unbelieving, draconian king about what will happen in the stretch of time even after he's died, he has died and the children have died. Now that's like God. God will reveal things to people. God is the revealer of mysteries. And when we reveal things, we need to listen. Because they have, they have impact and consequences on our lives. 
That's what I'm teaching today about the, gent- about the times of Gentile kingdoms. I'm going to listen to this. I'm almost, I'm almost landing this ship. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than all the other men living, but so that you, O king, may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went to your mind. So we're trying to say, this God revealed this to me so that I can help you. That's what David was trying to say. And that, 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 that will tell you how, why God locks gifts in your spirit. God locks gifts in our spirit and in our lives to help humanity. No gift is for you. Every gift is for other people. Listen to that. That's why you don't suck up your gift. That's why you don't sit on your gift. That's why you don't dance your gift and celebrate your gift and not do anything with your gift and just say, wow, I'm so gifted. Wow. I'm so, no, 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 no. Every gift, I mean every gift, is for the betterment of humanity. So that, David said, so the whole reason why God opened the heavens over my head was because God wanted to give the interpretation and let you understand what was about to come. Listen to this. So he began not telling the details. You want to hear the details? Let's go. You looked, O king, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The king was nodded and said, that's correct. Tell me more. And then Daniel continued. The head of this statue was made of pure gold. Hmm? I think I'm beginning to remember faintly now. As a matter of fact, his chest and his arms are made of silver. His belly and his thigh are made of bronze. Now I want you to understand principle that here. This statue, this awesome, amazing, how inspiring statue. Notice first of all, it had the head of gold. Gold is the most precious item, ornament, followed by silver, followed by bronze. Are you, are you following this? Are you following this, people? All right. So, and this, this what, what God was revealing to the king was that the nations or the kingdoms of the world are going to get weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker by dispensation. And that as they go weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker by dispensation, something else will rise to take their place. Called the kingdom of God. That's why we don't mess up with church. That's why we understand that we are in this game not for play games. We are here for real. That's why the system of the world are collapsing. You do not understand it. People do not understand scripture. Revelation would say, what's happening? What's happening is, God is whittling down the system of the world. But then let me go before myself. So we saw the head of gold. We saw the breast of what? Silver. We saw the, the, the belly and the thigh of what? Of bronze. Is that correct? Yeah? Let's see what else we see. The legs of iron. And then the feet. Partly of iron, partly of clay. Which basically means that it's not strong. It's brittled. It's weak. Clay is, is corruptible and not as strong. But here we see... So here God was showing... What God was showing this man? Five kingdoms. What this unbelieving king saw was the future of the world. But what he also did not know that it meant was also... Not only was God showing him the future of the world until the end of time, but God was also showing him, and listen to this, the future of the church. Which he didn't know what it was. Nebuchadnezzar did not believe in God. He did not believe in church. does not know Jesus. But here he was. He was seeing something. And he didn't know what it meant. And Daniel was raised up by God's gifting. And it was related to him. The future of the world and the future of the church. Side by side. Listen to this. Verse 34. Are you, are you following this with me please? While you are watching. I was telling him. 
A rock. Someone say a rock. Someone shout a rock. A rock was cut out. But not by human hands. Now this is Jesus. You understand this? God was given a revelation to this unbelieving king about the emergence of a new kingdom. The kingdom of God's dear son. He didn't understand what he meant. Listen to this. That's why I said to you last week. He said if the devil told you and begin to tell the news all over the place on CNN that the church is losing the battle to win the loss, it's a lie. The body of Christ, the church of God is, is going to work stronger. It has been designed by God. There is nothing Satan can do to change it. It has been revealed way back to Nebuchadnezzar that the rock will be cut out, but not by human hands. That means that no one will know what is the foundation of this rock. It will just manifest. And listen to this. And this rock struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. I don't know what I should explain this to you. No, let's read it. Then the iron and the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were broken to pieces at the same time. And they became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But, let's read it together. But, the, read it with me. But, the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and Fill the whole earth. And that's the church. Take it back. You need to understand what is God's plan and what's God's agenda for his church. So when people say, governments in America, uh, governments in Nigeria, governments in Africa, they have decided to stop the church. Or China government has decided to disband the church and to torture the churches and to break the churches and to close churches by a governmental decree. Those of us who understand what the book of Daniel says, we laugh by God because we know that the ship has sailed. Sailed the way back. <laughs> because there is a rock that was cut, not by human hands, that has continually grown in influence, in power, until it has grown to become a huge mountain. But not only that, this huge mountain that was either to a small rock will fill the earth. Habakkuk got it right. It says, for the knowledge of the glory of God. I feel there, that's what I'm going to say. I shared this testimony with you last week, and it was like God. The only good just intensified it. Everywhere I go now, I just hear the gospel. I hear gospel people talking gospel. I hear people, I hear people farming, farms in church. And that's the good thing. Praise the name of Jesus. Oh, yeah. That's, in case you want, I don't know what it is. I mean, musicians are farms in Christ. Uh, dancers are fans in God. Now, you don't, you, don't, you don't agree with them, alright? Okay? I know you don't like them. You think that they are calling the name of your God in vain, okay? But you do not understand that those guys are dealing with issues in their heart and they're saying, there's something more to life than just these booze and girls and gold and bling bling. Maybe we need to go and begin to ask. And that's why today you see a lot of them, a lot of them are beginning to, begin to try to identify with the church. I told people, I said, one day, back in, the, back in the days, maybe about 10 years ago, we were having fellowship here, and uh, this guy that, that does like a, like a lesbian, what's his name? Just walked into this church about 10 years ago. I don't know, he invited him, walked in. And I've had a lot of people, a number of people from Nollywood walked in here and said, I want to be my pastor. Just a few of them, not many of them. But they've left, okay. But at least once upon a time, they tried. Is that correct? 
But you see, the pressure of Nollywood, the pressure of being superstar is very hard. You get what I'm saying? You don't understand why. So don't blame them and don't crucify them too much. Those guys are struggling so hard. Uh, uh, who was this guy? Was it um, Nathaniel Bassi? Nathaniel Bassi, I think, did this challenge. Hallelujah challenge. And whoever was who, or who, who, who was who in Nollywood joined that online thing. All night. Have you seen how Muslims attend all night services? You have not seen. We are going to start all night services very soon. Where, where we are going. Praise the name of Jesus. You will come and see how Muslims will be crowding. They will come before you. People are looking for the hope that is found only in Christ. As I speak, there are a number of you who are from Muslim families. You left and you came to follow Jesus. Hey, let me tell you this. The kingdom of God, possibly advancing, the gates of hell, prevail against it. That's why I don't want you to be, to be, to be the focus and dis distracted by all the things you hear about churches, about pastors, or whatever. Don't let it focus on you. They are, in this, they are in the minority. God's kingdom is so focused. It's a fast-moving train. Any devil that stands on the way will crush it to powder. God's church is going on, waxing wax strong. And I know that as they talk about the church, they say churches are bad. We know, you know you're not bad. Are you, are you correct? The people that they say are bad, are the, are the few, they are the exceptions. Hello, people. Hello. They say, oh, oh, all, those, all those Christians, they are fake. Are you fake? Somebody tell me, who is fake here? All those Christians, they are all liars. All those Pentecostals are just talking about... They lie. Do you lie? Alright, if you lie, stop lying, okay? I just, just in case you lie, stop lying. Stop fitting Jesus bad, okay? Let's allow this kingdom to grow, alright? Let's allow this mountain to rise. Let's allow this mountain to fill the whole earth because that's God's intention. And you and I have no right to hinder the anointing, the move of the Holy Spirit by our messed up lives. So if we have issues in our lives, let's line up with God's word. Let's ask Jesus to help us. Let's ask him, Father, I don't want to, be, I don't want to keep disgracing you. I have disgrace, and you know you are disgracing the Lord. I don't know who is listening to me tonight. You know you are disgracing the Lord. You, need to, you can tell God and say, Jesus, please, please. I, don't, I want to stop disgracing you. I know this is not right. You know, you know, uh, let me talk about it. You know, you know when you are living in sin as a believer, child of God? When you are living in sin and you are going into the place of sin, many times if you are you'll be saying, Jesus, you know, I know I'm sinning. Psalm 51, forgive me all my sins. Do not hold my sin against me. You know in your heart of hearts that you are sinning. So if you know that you are sinning, why don't you just say, Jesus, Jesus, take the wheel. I'm struggling. Help me. Because you understand that you are an agent of God's kingdom. And that under your watch, the kingdom of God must go full throttle. And you must never allow anything to indict that name of Jesus or to compromise that, that move of the Spirit of God. You have to do that. Alright, so let's do this. Oh, oh Lord, how am I? Alright, give me the next verse, please. So, this was the dream, and now we'll interpret it to the king. Look at what he began to interpret. You, O king, are the king of kings. God is not telling me. So, you know, he told him the dream. Now, to, to land the ship, is not in the interpretation. You, O king, are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands, he has placed mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are the head of gold. So, he explained that to us. Who is the head of gold? Nebuchadnezzar is the head of gold. The next question is, who is the breast, the, the, the breast of uh, silver? After you, another kingdom will rise. And this kingdom will be inferior to yours. Now, let me submit to you that that second kingdom that he spoke about is what we call 
the Media Persian Kingdom. It was two kingdoms come together. We call them Medo Persian Kingdom. It was ruled by Cyrus. For those of you who have read the book of Ezra with me or Nehemiah with me, you remember the story of Cyrus. He was a guy who was an unbeliever that God used to liberate Israel, to liberate the Jews. Okay? That's part of God's plan. God can use about anybody. So this second kingdom that was inferior to the head of gold, which is the kingdom of, of silver, is the media passion kingdom headed by Cyrus. He says, the next to that, a third kingdom which is one of bronze, will rule over the earth. So we have seen three kingdoms now. Head of gold. Who is that of gold? Come on, speak out. Who is head of gold? Who is breast of uh, silver? Cyrus. Cyrus, Darius, all those made their passions. Okay. That's the head of, that's the breast. Third, he says, another one will rise, which is made of bronze. You know what that is? And he says, it will rule over the whole earth. That is the Grecian Empire. Emperor of Greece, which was ruled Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great and all his sub- successors. Alexander the Great was the guy that conquered and conquered and conquered and conquered and conquered and said to himself, there's nowhere else to conquer and died of a heartbreak at the tender age of 32. I mean, <laughs> see, people, people have ruled the world. The world. It, is, it, it, was, it was a Greek. That's why they were the ones that fired the educational system that you all see today. You go to secondary school, you go to primary school, you read A, B, C, D, D, and D, Aja, Nubata, Didoji, A for Apple, B for all of those things, all those things, all the educational system. It's Greek, it's Alexander the Great that, that transferred it over centuries. You can see how, how kingdoms rule the world. Alexander, Alexander the Great will go and start a, a, a city in Egypt, which is called Alexandria, which became the first, the place of modern day, modern, sorry, um, the, that time. The, the technology and the advancement of education. You need to also understand that it was in Alexandria of Egypt that the first Bible school started. I mean, we're talking about the real things here. I mean, God's word is so real. Nebuchadnezzar saw that. Years, centuries before it ever happened. But the third kingdom, the kingdom of bronze, we ruled the whole earth. And we know that that was the empire, the Greek, the Grecian empire, headed by Alexander the Great. Many of you have read him before. He said, but that's not the end of it. He says, verse 40. Listen to this. Verse 40. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom. Strong as iron. For iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things to, people, to pieces, so this kingdom will crush and break all the others. This is the Roman Empire. which was headed by Julius Caesar. Before him, Pompey. For those of you who have read history, or for those of you who have watched epic or periodic movies, you will understand how, I mean, Julius Caesar conquered, conquered territories, conquered, he conquered Greece. I mean, no one could conquer Greece, he conquered Greece. Many of you have also heard about, uh, about Trojan, uh, Trojan us, Troy. Those are Greek nations, those are Greek, those are Greek cities that nobody could enter into. See, Julius Caesar broke the whole place, covered the whole place, took over the whole place. So you saw, what we saw was that there was always a pattern. From the head of gold, strong nation, Nebuchadnezzar, to the breast of silver, strong, but not as strong as Nebuchadnezzar, to the third kingdom of bronze, strong, but not as strong as the Grecian Empire, um, as, as the Mediterranean Empire, the fourth kingdom, Roman, em, Roman Empire, during which Jesus, listen to this, during which Jesus was born. I'm, I'm, bringing, I'm bringing it to a close right now. 
Jesus was born in the day of the Roman rule. When the census was declared and everyone had to go to their home. And by reason of the divine agenda, he had to go back. His parents had to take him back to Beth of Judah. You know the story how he was born in the manger. And how? Now that was the stone. Listen to this. That was the stone that Nebuchadnezzar saw. That was cut out of human hands. And when Jesus began to manifest in Nazareth, in Bethlehem, in Galilee, they thought he was kidding. They didn't think anything of him. They said he would soon blow away. And he began to preach the gospel, began to save, began to heal the sick, began to cast out devils, began to advance the kingdom of God. God disciples commissioned them, told them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They began to grow. Three years later, he hung on the cross, died for the sins of the world. They still thought he was playing games. That's 2,000 years ago. And they said, he will soon blow away. They called them rebels. You know those people? They, they, they used to call them men and women of the way. That's what they used to call Christians. It's, it's in Antioch later that they began to despise them and call us Christians. Which is you all have not carry on your head right now. And say I'm a Christian. It was an abusive word. But let's leave that for another day. So you saw Jesus planted his church and the gates of hell could not prevail against it. And the church began to grow. Began to grow. Those guys started, first there were three. Then they became 12. Then they became 70. Then they became 120. And this 120 guys stood in the room, began to pray like Daniel and the rest of them, and heaven opened, and 3,000 got saved in one single day. They thought they were still kidding. They thought they were still joking. They did not understand that it's a fulfillment of the vision that Nebuchadnezzar saw. A stone cut out without human hands, who began to grow and became a huge mountain and filled the earth. Today, the gospel has gone beyond Judah, it's gone beyond Samaria, it's gone beyond Europe. It's gone beyond Africa. It's gone beyond Asia. It's gone to the Pacific. It's gone into Antarctic. It's gone to all over the world. And we are still covering grounds. Next week I'll tell you how we're going to take the nations. But let me read this story through. So he says, so this will be divided. This kingdom will be divided. After the Roman Empire, which was iron, we had the Barbarian Empire. It was after the Barbarian Empires that you had the British. You were barbarians back in those days. If you walk through the street of London, you will see feces on the street. They will be throwing feces at themselves. That's how they fought. Fight with feces. With poo-poo. Don't let, come, don't let them come and tell us, Oh yeah, Christian English. No. But barbarians. Turks. Norwegians. All of those people. There were people who were barbarians. They fought themselves. But you see, they fought to death. The people who, they, they, were, they had no cause. You know, you, know, you know when they say barbarians talking in thousands? Everybody was always talking. <laughs> you know? Uh, this, I'm talking to you about the history of the world, how the world has emerged, and how the church has been positioned right in the midst of it and consistently grown over the centuries. That's why we say to people, the church is the answer to the world. By extension, I say, you are the answer to the world. You are. I am. That's why I don't care who has more money than me, who is driving what, who lives in what neighborhood. I rule. I am the church. I'm that mountain of the Lord's house. I will take over the whole earth through my job, through my marriage, through my enterprise, through the things I do. That is been, it's been written. It's a prophecy. It's going to, be, it's going to happen. Everybody listen to this. So if any government is trying to silence the church, cower the church, impoverish the church, uh, do whatever, they, they, have, they, have, they have gone too, too, too late. Somebody listen to what I'm saying? If the devil thinks it's going to mess up your life, 
Is it like to back up from Jesus? He has come too late. That's why we're training believers different. You need to understand that you're, that you're on purpose. That Christ saved you with his blood. That you are more than what you eat and what you drive and where you live in. You are on an assignment. We teach people that. Okay? Everything is not going to be easy all the time. You have to know how to fight battles. And like I said, I'll teach you next week. I'll talk about next week. You, must, you don't want to miss next week. But I, let, me, let me conclude with verse 44. I have two minutes more. Verse 42, please. As the thoughts were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. Even a revelation to this unbelieving king about the emergence of a new kingdom, the kingdom of God's dear son. He didn't understand what he meant. Listen to this. That's why I said to you last week, he said, if the devil told you and begin to tell the news all about the place that the church is losing the battle to win the loss, it's a lie. The body of Christ, the church of God is, is going to work stronger it has been designed by God. There is nothing Satan can do to change it. It has been revealed way back to Nebuchadnezzar that the rock will be cut out, but not by human hands. That means that no one will know what is the foundation of this rock. It will just manifest. And listen to this. And this rock struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay. And smash them. I don't know what I should explain this to you. Now let's read it. Then the iron and the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were broken to pieces at the same time. And they became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But, let's read it together. But, read it with me. But, the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled your earth. Now that's the church. Take it back. You need to understand what is God's plan and what's God's agenda for his church. So when people say, governments in America, uh, governments in Nigeria, governments in Africa, they have decided to stop the church, or China government has decided to disband the church and to torture the churches and to break the churches and to close churches by a governmental decree. Those of us who understand what the book of Daniel says, we laugh by God because we know that the ship has sailed. Sailed the way back. <laughs> because there is a rock that was caught, not by human hands, that has continually grown in influence, in power, until it has grown to become a huge mountain. But not only that, this huge mountain that was either to a small rock will fill the earth. Habakkuk got it right. It's for the knowledge of the glory of God. But fill the earth, that's what God will say. I shared this testimony with you last week, and it was like God, the only good just intensified it. Everywhere I go now, I just hear the gospel. I hear gospel people talking gospel. I hear people, I hear people farming, farming church. And that's a good thing. Praise the name of Jesus. Oh, yeah. That's, in case you want, you don't know what it is. I mean, musicians are farming Christ, uh, dancers are farming God. And now, you don't, you, don't, you don't agree with them, all right? Okay? I know you don't like them. You think that they're calling the name of your God in vain, okay? But you do not understand that those guys are dealing with issues in their heart. And they're saying, there is something more to life than just these booze and girls and gold and bling bling. Maybe we need to go and begin to ask. And that's why today you see a lot of them, a lot of them are beginning to, begin to try to identify with the church. I told people, I said, one day, back in the, back in the days, maybe about 10 years ago, 
We were having fellowship here, and uh, this guy that, that does like a, like a lesbian, what's his name? Just walked into this church about 10 years ago. I don't know who invited him. Walked in. And I've had a lot of people, a number of people from Nollywood walked in here and say, I want you to be my pastor. Just a few of them, not many of them. But they've left, okay. But at least once upon a time, they tried. Is that correct? But you see, the pressure of Nollywood, the pressure of being superstar is very hard. You get what I'm saying? You don't understand why. So don't blame them and don't crucify them too much. Those guys are struggling so hard. Uh, uh, who was this guy? Was it um, Nathaniel Bassi? Nathaniel Bassi, I think, did this challenge. Hallelujah challenge. And whoever was who, 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 who was who in Nollywood joined that online thing. All night. Have you seen how Muslims attend all night services? You have not seen. We are going to start all night services very soon. Where we are going. Praise the name of Jesus. You will come and see how Muslims will be crowding. They will come before you. People are looking for the hope that is found only in Christ. As I speak, there are a number of you who are from Muslim families. You left and you came to follow Jesus. Hey, let me tell you this. The kingdom of God possibly advancing. The gates of hell prevail against it. That's why I don't want you to be, to be, to be the focus and dis distracted by all the things you hear about churches, about pastors, or whatever. Don't let it focus on you. They are, in this, they are in the minority. God's kingdom is so focused. It's a fast-moving train. Any devil that stands on the way will crush it to powder. God's church is going on wax, waxing strong. And I know that as they talk about the church, they say churches are bad. We know, you know you're not bad. Are you, are you correct? The people that they say are bad, are the, are the few, they are the exceptions. Hello, people. Hello. They say, oh, oh, all, those, all those Christians, they are fake. Are you fake? Someone tell me, who is fake here? All those Christians, all the, they are all liars. All those Pentecostals are just talking about... They lie. Do you lie? Alright, if you lie, stop lying, okay? I just, just in case you lie, stop lying. Stop fitting Jesus bad, okay? Let's allow this kingdom to grow, alright? Let's allow this mountain to rise. Let's allow this mountain to fill the whole earth because that's God's intention. And you and I have no right to hinder the anointing, the move of the Holy Spirit by our messed up lives. So if we have issues in our lives, let's line up with God's word. Let's ask Jesus to help us. Let's ask him, Father, I don't want to, be, I don't want to keep disgracing you. I have disgrace, and you know you are disgracing the Lord. I don't know who is listening to me tonight. You know you are disgracing the Lord. You, need to, you can talk to and say, Jesus, please, please. I, don't, I want to stop disgracing you. I know this is not right. You know, you know, uh, let me talk about it. You know, you know when you are living in sin as a believer, child of God, when you are living in sin and you are going into the place of sin, many times, if you are, you'll be saying, Jesus, you know, I know I'm sinning. Psalm 51, forgive me all my sins. You know who my sin against me. You know in your heart of hearts that you are sinning. So if you know that you are sinning, why don't you just say, Jesus, Jesus, take the wheel. I'm struggling. Help me. Because you understand that you are an agent of God's kingdom. And that under your watch, the kingdom of God must go full throttle. And you must never allow anything to indict that name of Jesus or to compromise that, that move of the Spirit of God. You have to do that. Alright, so let's do this. Oh, oh Lord, help me. Alright, give me the next verse, please. So, this was the dream, and now we will interpret it to the king. Look at what he began to interpret. You, O king, are the king of kings. God is not telling me. So, you know, he told him the dream. Now, to, to land the ship, not any interpretation. You, O king, are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands, he has placed mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are the head of gold. 
So he explained that to us. Who is the head of gold? Nebuchadnezzar is the head of gold. The next question is, who is the breast, the, the, the breast of uh, silver? After you, another kingdom will rise. And this kingdom will be inferior to yours. Now let me submit to you that that second kingdom that he spoke about is what we call the Media Persian Kingdom. It was two kingdoms come together. We call them Media Persian Kingdom. It was ruled by Cyrus. For those of you who have read the book of Ezra with me or Nehemiah with me, you remember the story of Cyrus. He was the guy who was an unbeliever that God used to liberate Israel, to liberate the Jews. Okay? That's part of God's plan. God can use about anybody. So this second kingdom that's inferior to the head of gold, which is the kingdom of, of silver, is the media passion kingdom headed by Cyrus. He says, the next to that, a third kingdom which is one of bronze, will rule over the earth. So we have seen three kingdoms now. Head of gold. Who is that of gold? Come on, speak out. Who is head of gold? Who is breast of uh, silver? Cyrus. Cyrus, Darius, all those many passions. Okay. That's the head of, that's the breast. Third, it says, another one will rise, which is made of bronze. You know what that is? And it says, it will rule over the whole earth. That is the Grecian Empire. Empire of Greece, which was ruled Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great and all his sub- successors. Alexander the Great was a guy that conquered and conquered and conquered and conquered and conquered and said to himself, there's nowhere else to conquer and died of a heartbreak at the tender age of 32. I mean, <laughs> see, people, people have ruled the whole world. It, is, it, it, was, it was a Greek. That's why they were the ones that fired the educational system that true all used today. You go to secondary school, you go to primary school, you read A, B, C, D, D, and D, all of those things, all those things, all the educational system. It's Greek. It's Alexander the Great that, that transferred it over centuries. You can see how, how kingdoms rule the world. Alexander the Great will go and start a, a, a city in Egypt, which is called Alexandria, which became the first the place of modern day, modern, sorry, um, the, that time. The, the technology and the advancement of education. You need to also understand that it was in Alexandria of Egypt that the first Bible school started. I mean, we're talking about the real things here. I mean, God's word is so real. Nebuchadnezzar saw that. Years, centuries before it ever happened. And the third kingdom, the kingdom of bronze, they ruled the whole earth. And we know that that was the empire, the Greek, the Grecian empire, headed by Alexander the Great. Many of you have read it before. He said, but that's not the end of it. He says, verse 40. Listen to this. Verse 40. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom. Strong as iron. For iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things to, people, to pieces, so this kingdom will crush and break all the others. This is the Roman Empire. Which was headed by Julius Caesar. Before him, Pompey. For those of you who have read history, or for those of you who have watched epic or periodic movies, you will understand how, I mean, Julius Caesar conquered, conquered territories, conquered, he conquered Greece. I mean, no one could conquer Greece, he conquered Greece. Many of you have also heard about, uh, about Trojan, uh, Trojan us, Troy. Those are Greek nations, those are Greek, those are Greek cities that nobody could enter into. See, Julius Caesar broke the whole place, covered the whole place, took over the whole place. So you saw, what we saw was that there was always a pattern. From the head of gold, strong nation, Nebuchadnezzar, to the breast 
of silver, strong, but not as strong as Nebuchadnezzar. To the third kingdom of bronze, strong, but not as strong as the Grecian Empire, um, as, as the Mediterranean Empire. The fourth kingdom, Roman, um, Roman Empire, during which Jesus, listen to this, during which Jesus was born. I'm, I'm, bringing, I'm bringing it to a close right now. Jesus was born in the day of the Roman rule. When the census was declared and everyone had to go to their home. And by reason of the divine agenda, he had to go back. His prayer to take him back to Beth of Judah. You know the story how he was born in the manger. And how? Now that was the stone. Listen to this. That was the stone that Nebuchadnezzar saw. That was cut out of human hands. And when Jesus began to manifest in Nazareth, in Bethlehem, in Galilee, they thought he was kidding. They didn't think anything of him. They said he would soon blow away. And he began to preach the gospel, began to save, began to heal the sick, began to cast out devils, began to advance the kingdom of God. God's disciples commissioned them, told them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They began to grow. Three years later, he hung on the cross, died for the sins of the world. They still thought he was playing games. That's 2,000 years ago. And they said, it will soon blow away. They called them rebels. You know those people? They, they, they used to call them men and women of the way. That's what they used to call Christians. It's, it's in Antioch later that they began to despise them and call us Christians. Which is you all, you're not carrying on your head right now. And say I'm a Christian. It was an abusive word. But let's leave that for another day. So you saw Jesus planted his church and the gates of hell could not prevail against it. And the church began to grow, began to grow. Those guys started, first there were three. Then they became 12. Then they became 70. Then they became 120. And this 120 guys stood in the room, began to pray like Daniel and the rest of them, and heaven opened, and 3,000 God saved in one single day. They thought they were still kidding. They thought they were still joking. They did not understand that it's a fulfillment of the vision that Nebuchadnezzar saw. A stone cut out but without human hands, who began to grow and became a huge mountain and filled the earth. Today, the gospel has gone beyond Judah, it's gone beyond Samaria, it's gone beyond Europe, it's gone beyond Africa, it's gone beyond Asia, it's gone to the Pacific, it's gone into Antarctic, it's gone to all over the world. And we are still covering grounds. Next week I'll tell you how we're going to take the nations. But let me read this story through. So it says, so this will be divided, this kingdom will be divided. After the Roman Empire, which was iron, they had the Barbarian Empire. It was after the Barbarian Empires that you had the British. You were barbarians back in those days. If you walk through the street of London, you will see feces on the street. They will be throwing feces at themselves. That's how they fought. Fight with feces. With poo-poo. Don't let them come, don't let them come and tell us, Oh yeah, Chris English. No. They were barbarians. Turks. Norwegians. All of those people. They were people who were barbarians. They fought themselves. But you see, they fought to death. They were people who, they, they, were, they had no coat. You know, I know, you know when they say barbarians talk in, th- in thousands? Everybody was always talking. <laughs> you know? Uh, this, I'm talking to you about the history of the world, how the world has emerged, and how the church has been positioned right in the midst of it and consistently grown over the centuries. That's why we say to people, the church is the answer to the world. By extension, I say, you are the answer to the world. You are. I am. That's why I don't care who has more money than me, who is driving what, who lives in what neighborhood. I rule. I am the church. I'm that mountain of the Lord's house. I will take over the whole earth through my job, through my marriage, through my enterprise, through the things I do. 
That is, it's been, it's been written. It's a prophecy. It's going to be, it's going to happen. Everybody listen to this. So if any government is trying to silence the church, coward the church, impoverish the church, uh, do whatever, they, they have, they have, they have gone too, too, too late. Somebody listen to what I'm saying. If the devil thinks it's going to mess up your life, he's going to get you to back up from Jesus. He has come too late. That's why we're training believers different. You need to understand that you're, that you're on purpose. That Christ saved you with his blood. That you are more than what you eat and what you drive and where you live in. You are on an assignment. We teach people that. Okay? Everything's not going to be easy all the time. You have to know how to fight battles. And like I said, I'll teach you next week. I'll talk about next week. You, must, you don't want to miss next week. But I, let, me, let me conclude with verse 44. I have two minutes more. Verse 42, please. As the thoughts were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And I were a powerhouse waiting to happen. So, Father, we thank you because, oh God Almighty, our purpose is unveiled to us. Now we pray that you grant unto us grace and strength in our inner man. So, march on against the power of darkness until we break all the kingdoms, political systems, economic systems, social systems, family systems, educational systems, until we break them and we subdue them under you. Father, help us.